the Dominion voting systems, the Smartmatic technology software, were created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez. It can set and run an algorithm that probably ran all over the country probably. to take a certain percentage of votes from President Trump and flip them to President Biden. Well, that's an oldie but goodie. Not true then, still not true now. But it's fun to imagine. Yes, I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Bird and Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today. We've got an action-packed program, so I'll say hello to Desi Doyen right off the top because I don't know if I'll be able to talk to you again. We've got so much to cover. From <laughs> I know, here I know. So. It's a lot. Hello, hello and happy anniversary. Happy, yes, happy anniversary to you as well. Yeah. Not because it's not our anniversary. Nope. We're not married to each other, but... Uh, was it a week or so ago? You know, uh, the, the the old sexist trope about dudes is they can't remember anniversaries. They yep. always remember too late. Oh, yeah. I remembered a week early that the Brad blo- bradblog.com was 18 years old. I thought it was last week. No, actually, <laughs> it's this. It's today. It's actually as we more go like to a air. birthday, perhaps. Either way. I forgot when it was, apparently, <laughs> but I w- but I erred on the side of being early rather than late. So uh, as of today, bradblog.com and all that comes with it, the Bradcast, the Green News Report, all the troublemaking, muckraking, uh, reporting, broadcasting, blogging you could ever want is now a full 18 years old. We are heading now into our, we are officially now in our 19th year of troublemaking, muckraking, and all the rest. And congratulations. Thank you very much, which also means, by the way, uh, we are 18. The Brad blog can now vote legally. If it were a person. 
if blogs were allowed to vote. That's right. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, hi, Des. Good to uh, talk to you. Uh, by the way, uh, those of you who'd like to help us celebrate our uh, 18th anniversary or birthday, however you want to look at it, please stop by bradblog.com uh, and hit the celebratory links there. Thank you. All right. Um, before we uh, uh, left to uh, head over to the studio today, some breaking news that is... Uh, I think more good news for America and certainly bad news for Donald Trump, which are kind of the same thing. Anyway, uh, from CNN, uh, an Atlanta area district attorney investigating former President Donald Trump's effort to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia will be allowed to seat a special grand jury this spring. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis requested last week, as we reported, to seat a special grand jury starting May 2. Fulton County Superior Court judges approved the request on Monday. The special grand jury will allow Willis to seat a panel entirely focused on gathering evidence in the Trump investigation. Investigation of what? Well, investigation of Donald Trump's attempt to steal the 2020 election, in this case specifically in Georgia, and in this case via a broad conspiracy that Fonnie Willis, the district attorney there in Fulton County, which is in Atlanta, um, uh, uh, she has brought in a racketeering specialist, a former federal prosecutor uh, who specializes in RICO cases, conspiracy cases, because this is not just about Donald Trump trying to steal the 2020 election in Georgia, but about Donald Trump trying to do it, about uh, Mark Meadows, the chief of staff for uh, Donald Trump's former chief of staff. The uh, who else? Senator Lindsey Graham participated in this scheme. Rudy Giuliani. It was participated. quite the cabal. Yes, it was. And uh, well, they all may be in big trouble for it. Willis has said she expects to decide on whether to bring charges to bring an indictment against Trump and others in the first half of 2022. With the approval of the uh, Superior Court there in Fulton County today, that just moved ahead in a way that I suspect does not make Donald Trump very happy, which should make all the rest of us happy. Speaking of Georgia and Trump's attempt to steal the 2020 election there, uh, we've got a great guest, one of my favorites, uh, joining us shortly today, the executive director of the group whose years-long lawsuit to ban the use of unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in Georgia was actually cited in detail in that bonkers draft executive order from December 16, 2020, uh, written for Donald Trump, finally released last week, which would have, had he invoked it, had he actually signed it, would have declared a national emergency, ordered the Pentagon to seize the nation's voting machines based on evidence-free claims of fraud back in December of 2020, and essentially instituted a military coup to keep Donald Trump in power after the date at which the winner of the 2020 election, Joe Biden, was to have been sworn in. Now, the lawsuit that they cited in that order is one that we happen to have been covering for years on this program with its plaintiff, Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance. She will join us in a little bit to discuss the revelations from that executive order released on Friday or at least obtained by Politico last Friday and published 
um, citing one of the rulings in her longstanding federal lawsuit. Uh, We'll get her reaction to that and how it might affect the real lawsuit uh, seeking to ban Georgia's unverifiable touchscreen voting systems as the MAGA mob continues to press forward with phony claims about those systems. Uh, but first, before we get to that, a, a bit of uh, quick breaking news today as we go to air and uh, kick off what is likely to be just another insane week in the potential twilight of American democracy. Tensions appear to be ratcheting up by the hour in the uh, Russia-NATO-Ukraine standoff, unfortunately. At President Biden's direction, AP is reporting this afternoon, the Pentagon is Putting out uh, is 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 um, putting about 8,500 U.S.-based troops on heightened alert for potential deployment to Europe amid rising fears of a possible Russian military move on Ukraine. Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said on Monday, no final decision has been made on deployments. Though uh, reports like this are unlikely to ease tensions, I would suggest. Kirby said the deployment would only happen if the NATO alliance decides to activate a rapid response force, quote, or if other situations develop in connection with the tensions over Russia's military buildup along Ukraine's border. What this is about is reassurance to our NATO allies, Kirby said, adding that no troops are intended for deployment to Ukraine itself. Kirby said Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin recommended to President Biden that up to 8,500 troops be ordered to prepare for potential deployment to Europe in light of signs that Russian President Vladimir Putin is not de-escalating his military pressure on Ukraine. Later Monday, Biden was to hold a video call with several European leaders on the Russian military buildup and potential responses to an invasion. That call was set to include the NATO secretary general, the British prime minister, the Polish president, French president, German chancellor and uh, Italian prime minister. As Biden weighed his options over the weekend, the State Department ordered family members of embassy employees in Kiev to leave on Sunday and authorized non-emergency diplomatic employees in Ukraine to depart. It also warned Americans not to travel to Ukraine or Russia, citing the possibility of Russian military action. Ukraine criticized the move to withdraw diplomats, uh, their families, I should say, as, quote, premature, while U.S. allies were split on whether to immediately follow America's lead, with the U.K. doing so, but the European Union saying it would not pull out family members uh, from embassies for now. The Pentagon move to put forces on standby comes as tensions have soared between Russia and the West over concerns that Moscow is planning to invade Ukraine, with NATO today outlining potential troop and ship movements. Britain saying it would withdraw some diplomats from Kyiv, and Ireland denouncing upcoming Russian war games off its coast. Biden was uh, debriefed by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin on Saturday about the options for responding if U.S. Uh, if Russia invades Ukraine, as well as options for U.S. military movements in advance of an invasion. That, according to a defense official and a senior administration official who spoke with NBC News, 
Among the options presented for the U.S. military in advance of an invasion were bomber uh, flights over the region. Well, that should cool things down. Uh, Ship visits into the Black Sea and the moving of troops and some equipment from other parts of Europe into Poland, Romania and other neighboring Ukraine countries. Um, Austin presented options to reassure NATO allies and reinforce their defenses, specifically the defenses of those countries bordering Ukraine. According to the officials, the goal is to show unity and strength within NATO and deter Russian aggression against allies in the region said the officials. Russia has repeatedly denied planning to invade and has blamed the West for stoking tensions as they continue to amass uh, more than 100,000 troops, Russia does, near the uh, Ukrainian uh, Ukraine's eastern border with Russia. Kremlin spokesperson Dmitry Peskov said during a conference with the uh, with reporters on Monday, quote, all this is happening not because of what we, Russia, are doing, This is happening, he said, because of what NATO and the U.S. are doing. Another defense official said uh, Putin continues to add more military units and and, and his flowing forces to the border areas around Ukraine, saying, quote, he is getting stronger literally by the day. Meanwhile, NATO said early on Monday that it was putting extra forces on standby and sending more ships and fighter jets to the region, including beefing up its, quote, deterrence presence in the Baltic Sea. I don't see how any of this cools things down. Maybe it's just me. NATO Secretary uh, Jan Stoltenberg said, quote, NATO will continue to take all necessary measures to protect and defend all allies, including by reinforcing the eastern part of the alliance. We will always respond to any deterioration of our security environment, including through strengthening our collective defense, said the NATO General Secretary General. Russian Navy vessels, meanwhile, began drills in the Baltic Sea focused on naval and anti-aircraft defense on Monday. That, according to a Russian state news news agency reported by Reuters, also Monday, the U.S. military and NATO began their own exercises, including Exercise Neptune Strike 22, which includes training with NATO allies for capabilities that could be used against Russia. As part of the exercise, imagine if Russia and its allies were holding uh, these sorts of exercises off the coast of, oh, I don't know, Florida, Mexico, California. Would we have concerns about that? Uh, Anyway, uh, so we're holding these exercises that could be used against Russia as part of uh, as part of the exercise. The USS Harry S. Truman Carrier Strike Group will conduct long range strike training and anti-submarine warfare training from the Mediterranean, which I'm sure will cool tensions down as well. Pentagon Press Secretary Kirby said the exercise is, quote, designed to demonstrate NATO's ability to integrate the high end maritime strike capabilities of an aircraft carrier strike group to support the deterrence and defense of the alliance. Russia denies that it is planning an invasion still and says the Western accusations are merely a cover for NATO's own planned provocations. Recent days have seen high-stakes diplomacy that failed to reach any breakthrough 
and maneuvering on both sides. Uh, sides. Uh, all of this as European Union foreign ministers sought to put a fresh display of unity in support of Ukraine uh, and paper over concerns about divisions on the best way to divisions between them, to be, uh, between the uh, EU countries on the best way to confront any Russian aggression. In a statement, the minister said the EU has stepped up sanctions uh, preparations for them in any event, and they warned that, quote, any further military aggression by Russia against Ukraine will have massive consequences and severe costs. Separately, the EU also committed to increase financial support for embattled Ukraine, vowing to push through a special package of 1.2 billion euros. That's about 1.4 billion dollars in loans and grants as soon as possible. NATO members Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania said they plan to send U.S.-made anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles to Ukraine, a move that has been endorsed by Washington. In talks with European allies throughout the crisis, administration officials said they have remained cognizant that Europe's trade, energy, and financial linkages with Russia are far more significant for them than they are for the U.S., uh, so, uh, in short, it's a mess. And I don't think anyone tells you they know where this is going. Uh, do not believe them. In other alarming news of a different sort, back here at home, the Republicans stolen and packed U.S. Supreme Court with its weighty 6-3 to right-wing majority on Monday morning added another two cases to a docket already full of hot-button Far-right issues. Uh, They have already taken up uh, lots of cases on religious liberty, a handful of challenges to abortion rights, one on a defunct Environmental Protection Agency rule that experts were equal parts shocked and alarmed to see the court even accept because it deals with an Obama-era program to upgrade the nation's power plants from dirty energy to clean energy based on EPA enforcement of the Clean Air Act, even though Obama's clean power plan, that's what it was called, right? Yeah, that was the one. It was quite innovative. But but it was put on hold years ago. Yeah. It never went into into practice. And thus, uh, it was never implemented. But nonetheless, suddenly, suddenly, for some reason, this Supreme Court decided that they wanted to hear that challenge to that case, pretty much out of the blue. Many speculate it's to uh, give them the opportunity to find that the EPA, just like OSHA in the uh, Biden vaccine mandate that they recently blocked, that the EPA cannot issue regulations that were not specifically mentioned by statutes created by Congress. Is that is that how we should understand them taking up this case? Yeah, that's a, that's a good summary of it. If the statute didn't explicitly say the EPA must regulate carbon dioxide emissions from power plants outside the fence line, if those words were not actually used, then the Supreme Court, the right wing justices on the Supreme Court, are going to try, it looks like, to actually strip the EPA of authority to do such regulations that would cut down on pollution and climate warming 
carbon emissions. Even though the statute that the EPA is enforcing, the Clean Air Act, actually, you know, instructs the EPA to... Yeah, it's in its mandate to take whatever actions are necessary to protect public health. And climate change is kind of a big public health problem. Not just climate change itself, but also to, uh, you know, protect against uh, volatile pollutants that are uh, deemed as pollutants by the EPA as carbon was in this case. Yes. So anyway, the new cases that the uh, <clears throat> that the court declared they would take up today uh, both concern universities' use of race in college admissions. One case out of Harvard, uh, which is a private university, and uh, the other from the University of North Carolina, a public university. Two separate cases that they want to hear looking at the same thing. The court, court will look uh, <clears throat> at more than the way these two schools operate their affirmative action programs. It could potentially overturn decades of precedent in reassessing whether race can ever play any role in admissions. While the court has upheld the constitutionality of such affirmative action programs many times in the past, its composition is now much more, we'll call it, conservative, and uh, the court has shown themselves willing to ignore decades of court precedent in overturning previous opinions that they do not like. For example, what has changed to lead the court to likely overturning Roe v. Wade and the uh, constitutional protection for abortion rights in the coming months? Well, nothing has changed other than the makeup of the, of the GOP's stolen and packed court. The three justices who voted against affirmative action back in a 2016 case, that would be Chief Justice John Roberts, Justices Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito, they were in the minority back then, but they're now bolstered by three Trump appointees. So things could change here very quickly. The man behind both of the lawsuits being heard is Edward Blum. He's a former stockbroker who has spent years uh, on a crusading against affirmative action as well as other uh, right wing, uh, I don't know, right wing issues that they want to uh, reverse. He's also helped lead the charge, for example, against the Voting Rights Act, which the court gutted in 2013 and weakened further last year. Oral arguments in the affirmative action cases will likely be heard next term, however, not uh, this term, but next term, which starts in October. We have warned you about a host of longstanding rights and freedoms and well-established government regulations and protections that this court appears very, very ready now to overturn. Years of longstanding precedent that they will overturn and make this nation a very different place than we have known for decades. So uh, we have issued that warning. That warning is still in place today and perhaps upped, upped a notch or two, frankly, with the news out of the high court on Monday. Buckle up. Be prepared for what is coming. And yes, it's another reminder that elections matter. Affirmative action is just the latest in a series of these right-wing hobby horses that the court has taken up showing justices fresh willingness to wade into those issues. And speaking of voting rights and the fight to preserve what is left of them in this country, as all 50 Republicans in the U.S. Senate last week voted against protecting against voter suppression and election subversion, 
And of course, they were helped along by two Democrats, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, in refusing to change the Senate filibuster rule in order to try and save American democracy by passing those measures with a simple majority, you know, democracy. Uh, Along with that, the release of this now chilling, unsigned, unissued executive order from Team Trump was finally published on Friday, calling for the seizure of the nation's voting machines by the Department of Defense in what would have been, had it been invoked, nothing short of a military coup in this country to keep Donald Trump in office even though he lost the 2020 presidential election. We will have much more on that story after a quick break here, and we will be joined by the woman whose years-old lawsuit trying to ban unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in Georgia and elsewhere was quoted as the centerpiece of the Trumpers' argument in that draft executive order as to how the election was stolen It wasn't. And why the Pentagon needed to seize all evidence of how Americans voted in the 2020 election to keep Trump in power. That story and Marilyn Marks, the woman who filed the lawsuit, is all ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Don't lie and two wrongs do not make a right. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. You know, in in one sense, the unsigned draft executive uh, order released by the National Archives last week to the bipartisan House committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol and Donald Trump's multifaceted attempt to steal the 2020 presidential election. In one sense, uh, it was rather silly if you read it. It referenced, for example, a whole bunch of computerized voting system vendors, describing them all as somehow involved in this massive plot to hack their own systems in order to steal the election from Donald Trump. The unissued order, for example, states without any actual evidence included that, quote, there is probable cause to find that Dominion voting systems, Smartmatic, another voting system company, which actually has no systems in the U.S. at all other than here in Los Angeles, as deployed for the first time in 2020. And I don't believe that L.A. or California was at the heart of the conspiracy to steal the election from Trump, as he has been pretending. Uh, So uh, Dominion, Smartmatic, Electronic Systems and Software, which is likely a reference to the company named Election Systems and Software, or ESNS, not ele- not Electronic Systems and Software, and Heart InterCivic, and Clarity Election Night Reporting, and Edison Research, that's actually an exit pollster, Sequoia, which has 
long been out of business, uh, bought up by both ESNS and Dominion years ago. Cytel, which has no voting systems at all in the U.S., though its software is used for election night results reporting websites. And similar or related entities, agents, or assigns have the same flaws, they claimed, as Dominion Voting Systems machines and were subject to foreign interference in the 2020 election in the United States. That is what they claimed. They went on to say there is probable cause to find these systems bear the same crucial uh, code, scare quotes here, features, code features and defects that allow the same outside and foreign interference in our election in which there is probable cause to find votes were in fact altered and manipulated contrary to the will of the voters. Okay, but for a presidential executive order by people alleging that the election was stolen by voting machine companies, you would think they might have bothered to, you know, get the name of the companies right for one thing. For another thing, you think they might have included some actual evidence to support their claims. Now, on our previous broadcast, we reported the news of this uh, secret executive order dated December 16, 2020, as drafted up for Trump's use to essentially order a military coup by the Department of Defense, which was then under control of Trump, uh, in order to prevent the certification of Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. The order uh, uh, directed the Secretary of Defense to seize the nation's voting systems and begin a 60-day assessment of the election results by the uh, Director of National Intelligence. The assessment by the director would then be uh, due no later than 60 days from the time of seizure, meaning that had they been seized that very day, it might have allowed Donald Trump to stay in office until at least mid-February of 2021, long after the mandated January 20th inauguration date for the real 2020 presidential election winner. It would have also mandated, quote, the appointment of a special counsel to oversee this operation and institute all criminal and civil proceedings as appropriate based on the evidence collected and provided all resources necessary to carry out her duties consistent with federal laws and the Constitution. That reference to her duties would appear to match up with reporting from the time, specifically a reportedly bonkers hours-long meeting in the Oval Office on December 18, just two days after the date on this draft order, uh, meeting with Trump's disgraced former National Security, Security Advisor Michael Flynn, the former CEO of Overstock.com, guy by the name of Patrick Byrne, for some reason, and the loony Team Trump attorney, Sidney Powell, who at the time was reportedly angling to be to be named as that special counsel with the powers to criminally prosecute pretty much anyone that she wanted for pretty much any reason. Yeah, because who among us has not written a draft executive order that would basically <laughs> be a coup to overthrow the government without putting ourselves in the top spot for a job? There you go. So that was likely that reference to her duties consistent with federal law, et cetera. Uh, but the uh, longest, most detailed section of the two-and-a-half-page order was a long quote from a ruling by U.S. District Court Judge Amy Totenberg in the Northern District of Georgia issued, as the order here describes, uh, just days prior to the election of 
November 3, 2020, citing very serious concerns that Judge Totenberg had at the time before the election about Georgia's new touchscreen computerized ballot marking device uh, systems that were made BMD voting systems made by Dominion. As we detailed on Friday, the ruling uh, came in that case, as part of a longstanding lawsuit that we have been covering very closely on this program for years now, it was filed by the Coalition for Good Governance, which is a nonpartisan, nonprofit election integrity organization, a real one. Nothing like the phony so-called election integrity groups that have sprung up in support of, uh, you know, these, these, the MAGA mobs, phony stop the steal efforts. This was a ruling. From the same lawsuit, which succeeded in permanently banning Georgia's previous 20-year-old Diebold touchscreen systems after Judge Totenberg had found that they were insecure, unverifiable, and therefore unconstitutional for use in Georgia's elections. But rather than replace that 20-year-old Diebold system with a hand-marked paper ballot system as voting Experts and cybersecurity experts had begged Georgia's Republican Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to do. Raffensperger insisted that every county in the state instead use this new, similarly unverifiable and unsecure touchscreen voting system that was made by Dominion for the very first time in the 2020 presidential election. He even threatened to sue one county that had wanted to move to verifiable handmarked paper ballots instead. So uh, in this uh, lawsuit, which had banned the Diebold machines, they filed a motion to, in fact, ban these new Dominion systems as well. And in Judge Totenberg's order, which was then cited at length by the draft uh, Trump executive order that was obtained by Politico late last week, Judge Totenberg essentially warned that the new Dominion systems might be just as vulnerable and unverifiable as the old Diebold systems, yet she allowed them for use in the 2020 election anyway, instead of banning them as well. But she did suggest in her ruling that depending on how things went in that election, she might end up banning that new, what, $100 million system as well down the road in Georgia as that case continues to this day. Now, regular broadcast listeners may be uh, well familiar with that lawsuit by the uh, plaintiffs, the Coalition for Good Governance. We've reported it uh, over the years in great detail on this program. So it was with some bemusement that we discovered that case, that ruling by that judge had been cited by the Trumpers in this draft executive order. Uh, the, the Trumpers, by the way, who had, at least in years past, appeared to be great supporters of unverifiable computerized touchscreen voting systems. So on Friday, after this came out, we uh, we sought the uh, a comment from uh, from Marilyn Marks, the founder of the coalition and a frequent guest on this program, as the new document had uh, just been published that day. Um she was uh, neck deep, I think, in uh, discovery for both that lawsuit and another lawsuit that the Coalition for Good Governance is involved in uh, on Friday. So she wasn't able to give us comment, but she will join us now next to offer her reaction to this crazy yet chilling draft executive order for Donald Trump's Department of Defense to seize the nation's voting systems 
in what, frankly, can really only be described as nothing other than what would have been a full-on military coup had it played out as drafted. We'll talk to her about that and discuss the role that her lawsuit seems to have played in getting us here. Marilyn Marks of the Coalition for Good Governance returns to the broadcast next. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Quoting from this newly obtained, unissued, thankfully, draft executive order dated December uh, December 16, 2020, written for Donald Trump to declare a national emergency requiring the Secretary of Defense to immediately seize all of the nation's voting systems under the evidence-free claim that Dominion voting systems and dozens of other private voting machine vendors had all colluded with each other and with several foreign countries, including Venezuela and China and Cuba, to steal the 2020 election for Joe Biden. The authors of that document cite a ruling from a real lawsuit in Georgia that ended up banning the state's 20-year-old touchscreen Diebold systems, which were subsequently then replaced by equally vulnerable and unverifiable new touchscreen systems made by Dominion voting systems. The ruling was from U.S. District Court Judge Amy Totenberg, uh, issued not long before the November 2020 election, determining that the new Dominion touchscreen voting systems uh, that Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger had selected and forced on all the counties across the state instead of choosing hand-marked paper ballots, that that could, the judge decided, that system could be used in 2020, though she clearly had concerns about the systems and made clear that she might revise her order later. She's quoted in this executive order to seize voting machines. Uh, as saying, uh, quote, uh, there are, quote, true risks posed by the new BMD ballot marking device uh, systems, as well as its manner implementation. These risks are neither hypothetical nor remote under the current circumstances. The judge goes on to cite the possibility of malware being implanted on these uh, systems and how these types of voting machines can also result in, quote, long wait times and insecurity regarding how their votes are actually cast and recorded. She notes that the plaintiff's National cybersecurity experts convincingly present evidence that this is not a question of might this actually ever happen, but when will it happen? especially if further protective measures are not taken. She writes, given the masking nature of malware and the current systems described here, if the state and Dominion simply stand by and say, we've never seen it, the future, she writes, does not bode well. Judge Totenberg wrote and is quoted in this executive order saying, still, 
This is year one for Georgia in implementing this new BMD system as the first state in the nation to embrace statewide implication, implementation of this QR barcode-based BMD system for its entire population. Electoral dysfunction, cyber or otherwise, should not be desired as a mode of proof. It may well land, unfortunately, on the state's doorstep. The court certainly hopes not. She was warning that uh, though she would allow the system to be used in 2020, she may well revisit the matter later based on how things went in the 2020 election. Well, after quoting that passage from Judge Totenberg's ruling in 2020 before the election, the authors of this unsigned, unissued presidential executive order written for Donald Trump to declare a national emergency, seize the nation's voting machines to stay in office, they go on to write, quote, Every defect and hazard of which Judge Totenberg warned happened in Georgia. Well, did it? Not according to the voting systems experts hired by the Plaintiffs Coalition for Good Governance in that case, who filed that lawsuit years ago. Experts who were hired to work on the lawsuit that the Trumpers were, were quoting. Experts like Philip Stark a uh, professor at UC Berkeley who told the broadcast on Friday that while the vulnerabilities cited by the judge undeniably exist, there is so far no evidence that they were exploited in 2020, contrary to the claims in the draft executive order. Joining us now is Marilyn Marks, a longtime expert advocate for free and fair elections as founder and executive director of the Coalition for Good Governance. That would be the plaintiffs in that case that was quoted here. Uh, the coalition is the uh, nonpartisan nonprofit organization committed to fair elections and government transparency, which filed that lawsuit, whose ruling was quoted at length by the folks that drafted up this order for Donald Trump to essentially invoke a military coup in the name of national security to keep himself in power. Marilyn Marks, welcome back to the broadcast. And wow, huh? <laughs> Wow, and thank you for having me back, Brad. Sure. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, well, I was, uh, I was ready for the whole world to know about our lawsuit, those who don't listen to you, but this is not the way I wanted to have it happen. <laughs> oh, it's great publicity, apparently, for the Coalition for Good Governance. <laughs> wow. As I say, this is not what I, I wanted to have happen. Now, listen. Because, of course, it is yeah. a totally serious lawsuit, and as you say, this is, preposterous and silly and crazy. If not, of course, it's chilling as well, to use your word. Now, I want to be uh, clear uh, by way of full disclosure with you, Marilyn. I'm actually a named plaintiff representing media in your other major lawsuit in Georgia, the one that challenges their the state's new SB202 voter suppression law, which uh, also includes a bunch of First Amendment freedom of the press issues. That's why I agreed to be part of that suit. This ruling that was cited in the draft executive order, that's from the other suit, the uh, one challenging the touchscreen BMD systems that you guys have been working on for years in Georgia. Uh, am, am I correct in the difference between those two suits? Absolutely, that that is that is correct, and we are proud to have you on the SB two hundred two case. Well, all right, um, we, we great asset. 
Thank you. Uh, we knew that such an order, this executive order, we knew that it was rumored to exist, uh, that the January 6th committee in the House was trying to get to it, to trying to get it from the National Archives. We didn't know exactly what it said. Uh, and it's, it, it, it's, it finally was released uh, following the Supreme Court's eight to one ruling against Donald Trump that he could not invoke executive privilege to block the release of this and hundreds of other documents. But uh, what was your reaction at seeing your case and Judge Totenberg's ruling in this draft order uh, by the Trumpers hoping to seize the nation's voting machines on the basis of the judge's ruling in your case? I was so horrified when I saw the headlines come across that I did something I never do. I refused to read the article for a few hours. Really? I just couldn't even stand that when I saw the headlines come across. I just I can't even bear to go see what this really says. Wow. Um, because um, I knew that it would be so twisted and so horrendous mm-hmm. that um, it would be uh, it would stop me in my tracks. And as you <laughs> said, I was really busy working on discovery in this case. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, when I did finally have time to to read it line by line, it's um, it's just so shocking that this would have absolutely gotten on paper anywhere mm. that that anybody could have had the these these ideas to use the judge's very serious ruling to take it totally out of context, twist the words, wrap it in a bunch of lies, is, um, is, is really so sad and so mm. scary. Well, uh, but as you, you said, you know, some of the concepts in there are completely silly. One that people haven't mentioned is, mm-hmm. of course, Georgia was ground zero for so much of the controversy. And as, as you noted, this thing is dated December the 16th. Well, by the time December the 16th had come around, mm-hmm. Georgia had not only had their machines go through you know, the original election, mm-hmm. then programming for a recount, then there was a runoff election on December the 1st. Mm-hmm. So those machines had been pro- reprogrammed for the December 1st runoff. And as you recall... The June, excuse me, January fifth um, Senate runoff was right after that. So mm-hmm. the machines, by the time December sixteenth rolled around, were already programmed for the third time. Um, so anything that might have been present would have been long gone. Even if and, they had you know, seized the machines, the stuff they were right. looking for would have been gone already. Right. Gotcha. And, and as um, Dr. Alex Halderman has pointed out mm-hmm. so many times about the BMD system. You know, it is so hackable that um, that any tracks could have been easily removed. And I am not in any way saying that, that the machines were hacked. We've never mm-hmm. seen any sign of it. But the very idea that somehow collecting these and, and studying them was going to produce anything is just completely absurd. As far- certainly when. Yeah. yeah, as far as evidence of how they had been hacked, they might have discovered right. how they could be hacked, but uh, any right. evidence would have been removed uh, by then. But you're, you know, Marilyn, and this is all very confusing. You, like me, were both longtime opponents of these unverifiable touchscreen ballot marking devices or BMDs uh, made by Dominion and other companies. We now uh, shamefully use them here in Los Angeles County, the most populous county in the nation. And yet this draft executive order claims that, uh, quote, 
Every defect and hazard of which Judge Totenberg warned in her ruling in your case actually, quote, happened in Georgia. Did it? That is just so false. It's, it's unbelievable that someone could get away with, with putting that on paper because there is no evidence that any of those things happened. Yes, there were problems. And um, yes, those problems need to be resolved. But certainly not what these people are claiming. <laughs> they go on to mention specifics like Ware County and Coffee County as if something really serious happened in those counties. No, what happened there was really a lack of understanding about how to use the machines and what what some of the controls were, mm-hmm. and they they were off in both counties by a few votes, but quickly figured out what was wrong, you know. It, it, and to make um, to to take those small examples mm-hmm. and to uh, exaggerate them in this way is so incredibly irresponsible and scary. Um, and, but then it makes it really hard for people who can accept the fact that, that this is nonsense um, to then come back and take seriously the threats that truly do exist for these machines. Uh, yeah. So I, this I, has made our work pretty hard. Yeah, I guess you're in a very difficult position because, in fact, had there been problems in uh, Coffee County and that other county uh, with these uh, ballot marking devices, you wouldn't have any reason to say to, to, to downplay them, to dismiss them. You would probably, if there was a real problem with those systems in those counties, you would bring it into your ongoing lawsuit, right? Right, right. Uh, Certainly. And yet you're put into the position where you have to say, no, in this case, there was not a problem with the with the systems. Uh, how do you suspect Judge Totenberg may have reacted uh, learning that, you know, the Trumpers had cited that 2020 ruling? Uh, and, and, you know, it was clearly she understood in that ruling, the concerns about these new systems and that they shared many of the same problems that the old systems had that she had previously banned, but she let the Georgia use the new systems anyway. I think we talked about it on the show when she issued that ruling. Do you suppose she has any regrets here at this point? Well, I'm certainly not going to speculate about what um, what Judge Totenberg may be thinking about um, this report or anything else, but I would say that nobody associated with the case in any way could be happy about this um, executive order draft and in, in being in somehow associated with it as if those are our claims or that, that, or that those were the mm-hmm. things in front of the court. So, um, uh, you know, I am hopeful that somehow this story gets put to rest and it does not get associated going forward with the kinds of things that this court and the legislators and the decision makers in Georgia and in other and in other jurisdictions like your own Brad mm-hmm. in LA have got to think about in terms of stopping the use of these vulnerable systems it was almost kind of surprising uh, to me i've talked about it a few times on this show that the uh, Trumpers did not make the argument that you and I have discussed many times. They could have come out and said, hey, uh, when you're dealing with a computer printed ballot, there is no way to know after the election if they actually reflect the intent of the voters or not. They never made that claim. Uh, you know, 
yeah. you know what I'm hearing as to why they did not? Why? This, this is just the most shallow thinking. In Georgia, Biden, um, of course, won on the mail ballot um, vote. Mm-hmm. And Trump, it, it quote, won mm. on the BMDs. Ah. And so, and so <laughs> never mind that the Democrats worked really hard on absentee voting mm-hmm. and Trump was telling everybody, don't go vote absentee. So, of course, Biden's going to win on the mail ballot voting. Ah. But, so they had it in their heads. Um, oh, well, if Trump got more votes on BMDs, then BMDs must be fine. <laughs> so, uh, and, and yet... <laughs> what, security analysis. Yeah, and yet what they end up arguing in this, in this executive order is that these machines uh, don't work at all. They should never be used. We shouldn't count any votes on them. But don't throw out those votes because those are our votes on those touchscreen machines. <laughs> wow. Right. Yes, and none, none of it makes any sense at all, of course. But you know his his entire process with with respect to um, his rights to challenge the election and uh-huh. all of that they they never made any sense. You know Georgia has a has more than any other state I know many opportunities for a, a losing candidate to challenge the election, and um, he did not take all the bites at the apple in Georgia hmm. that he could have. There were other opportunities that he just skipped. And he skipped the opportunity to ask the court, which he would have been totally granted instantly, Mm. for a hand rather than a machine recount. Ah. So he could have had a hand recount where all these ballots were examined and where Republican counters were at every table. And, um, you know, it was very different from that silly hand count they did for the the audit. But um, he had the chance to have every ballot examined by hand, by people that the Trump campaign chose and didn't even ask. Why, so, why do you suppose that is, Marilyn? Because I, I because it, it's a whole lot better to have, in, from their perspective, mm-hmm. to have everything sealed away where you can't, can't touch it anymore mm-hmm. and then start screaming. Yes. Because had, had they had a hand recount, Mm-hmm. it certainly would have come to light that there wasn't anything wrong. Which kind of brings me to my uh, point and why all of this after 2020 has sort of become, well, is exactly what I've been warning about for so many years. Not so much that these machines would be used to steal an election, though they certainly can be, but the idea that because everything is done in secret inside these systems that is so difficult for the public to oversee, that... This opens up the door to exactly what we have seen and what you explained, Marilyn Marks, which is that, uh, you know, they don't need to prove the case that it was stolen. They just need to claim that it was stolen because everything's so secret and the public can't oversee the, the, the system. There is no way to know who's telling the truth. Even in a 100 percent secure election, they get away with claiming that it wasn't. And it's very hard to prove them wrong. And I've long argued that that is a very real threat to American democracy, as I think we're now seeing. Absolutely. And, Brad, I think that a danger that we need to think about, particularly for the Democrats uh, on the left, we really need to think about the fact of, of be careful how the left reacts here, because it's going to be very tempting to them to to, to stop transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, I just saw on MSNBC last night, they were claiming that 
uh, the public release of ballot images is voter suppression. Oh, good Lord. Really? The, yes. the ballot images, yes, that, that the, they the had digital... Listed, and I saw it again today. They had listed uh, a lot of things that are coming out as, you know, n- new proposals for legislation, and these are the ones that are voter suppression, and listed the, the release of ballot images. So what we are seeing is some pushback that is really unhealthy mm. uh, in terms of let's reduce transparency, let's reduce citizen oversight, thinking that somehow that will quiet the problem, quiet the citizens mm. fussing yeah. about the problems. It's sure. a dangerous, Se- dangerous reaction. Security by obscurity. If nobody can see anything, then everything is just fine. And that's insane because even when it is just fine, we need to be able to know that it was just fine. Exactly. Marilyn Marks, I know that this case, uh, that, that everything that's happened in 2020 has not made uh, your life any easier because now it's just a minefield trying to walk through what is a real concern and what is a fake concern. But before I let you go, uh, Marilyn, where does that that BMD case stand in Georgia in federal court? What's the status of the case? Is it still moving forward? It is still moving forward. We are in um, the last phases of discovery, and um, then it will it will go forward from here and go to trial sometime. This summer is the plan, and we would surely like to have a decision to get rid of BMDs before the 2022 elections. That, that may be faster than um, the court would want to go, mm. but uh, certainly certainly it is much needed. But the case is rapidly moving through the, the final parts of discovery. And, well, boy, I it can't move fast enough. This is like a slow-motion car wreck. Oh, this goodness. lawsuit has been, I mean, Absolutely. going on for, forever. Uh, hopefully, can people get more information at coalitionforgoodgovernance.org on this suit if they want to learn about it or support it, et cetera? Absolutely, and that we really need that support right now to push this thing through the finish line. So I'm grateful for the support that we get from your listeners. Coalitionforgoodgovernance.org is where you can get more information. Marilyn Marks is the longtime uh, expert and uh, election integrity expert advocate. She's the executive director of the coalition. She's fighting the real fight. The real fight. Don't be confused by uh, these um, MAGA folks who are putting up phony fights regarding election integrity. Marilyn Marks has been at it for years. And by the way, she used to be a Republican and she's doing it anyway. Uh, hey, Marilyn, thank you very much. Find her on the tw- on the Twitters at Marilyn R. Marks One. And thank you, Marilyn, for joining us on the thank 18th you, anniversary of Bradblog.com, by the way. Congratulations. Seems only right to have you here. All right, we got to get out. My thanks to our producer, uh, Desi Doyen, to my board operator, Mark Maxwell, and, of course, to Marilyn Marks. My thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com and join the 18th year anniversary fun. You can also drop me email. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. I'll see you there until I see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Yeah.